Hello, everyone. Welcome to Framework Leadership, a podcast about principles and ideas you can use today to take your leadership to the next level. We're now exclusively a part of the SEU Podcast Network. I'm your host, Kent Engel, president of Southeastern University. And I'm your co-host, Michael Steiner, SEU Chief of Staff. And I'm really excited to introduce our guest for today's show, Noel Andrews. Noel is the CEO and owner of JobRack, a UK-based company that specializes in finding Eastern European workers for online businesses and connecting those potential hires with uh, a lot of different employers, uh, an expert in growing businesses while also managing and developing strong and successful teams. Noel, great to have you on the podcast today. Hey, Ken. Hey, Michael. Yeah, great to be here. Yeah, you know, I'm looking forward to our conversation about outsourcing and marketing and 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 leadership. Now, after 15 years of, of recruiting and leading teams within large, uh, I know, tech technology functions, you decided to buy JobRack and you transitioned from, I think, a user of, of a company to an owner of a company. What motivated you to make this transition, this big move? So I think like many people in the entrepreneurial space, I'd uh, you know, read the four-hour work week, uh, mm. gone through all of the various kind of books in that kind of genre, uh, and always had that kind of entrepreneurial uh, kind of bent. And I'd done a couple of little, very kind of small little startups. Uh, I'd done a lot of work around interview coaching and so helping people on the client side, on the candidate side, because uh, no one's ever taught how to interview well, right? And they're all right. kind of terrified of interviews and don't kind of perform great. So I'd done some work around that. And then it was just a kind of literally a serendipity moment where uh, JobRack had been started by some people that I knew. Um, they were kind of, it was a bit of a side hustle at the time and they were going to either shut it down or sell it. And it just fitted in with perfect timing that I wanted something that had a real strong niche um, that wasn't too big uh, to kind of get me started and kind of get my kind of entrepreneurial chops around. And just had a lot of opportunity and, you know, remote hiring, you know, this was back in 2018 and we couldn't have imagined the events uh, sure. of recent uh, right. 18 months. So, and so just, yeah, perfect opportunity to, to dive in. So give our audience just a quick background. What does exactly JobRack do? I mean, we know we talked about hiring, finding a niche, but tell, talk to us a little bit about why this niche is so important. Yeah, sure. So JobRack, uh, we help online business owners hire really, really great people and great remote workers from Eastern Europe specifically. So if you are looking for kind of developers, designers, project managers, SEO, virtual assistants, you know, pretty much anything at all, um, but you want them to have really good English, you want to have a really great education, and you want them to be kind of very straight talking. So, uh, you know, able to kind of take their own initiative and, you know, tell you when if you've asked them to do a square wheel or things aren't clear. Mm. Um, but you want them at kind of rates that possibly you can't afford to hire locally in the US or Canada when you're you know, either at the early stages of business or when you're really trying to grow and scale. Then Eastern Europe provides a kind of a sweet spot for that. They have a, a lower cost of living uh, and that kind of translates into lower salaries that are still, you know, very, very fair and kind of really good for them. So uh, that's what we do. We help people to hire. Uh, and we do that in a in a very kind of, I talk a lot about being kind of helpful and friendly uh, kind of way. You know, hiring is hard no matter who you are mm -hmm. and what scale you're at. And, you know, that's what we're there for is to help people to, um, you know, make a really good job of it and get, get great team members. So to unpack that for us a little bit, you, know, you talked a little bit about cost. What, what is the competitive advantage of, of hiring space, hiring talent from the Eastern European area on, on that side? So typically, uh, equal or better quality for mm. about 50% of the cost. Wow. 
It's huge. Wow. Now, now I know, again, hiring can be difficult for, for anyone, and, and you, you definitely have, you can tell, a passion for finding the right people for, for the right places. And you kind of listed a little bit, but what, what do you consider the most important characteristics for A players, you know, or quality workers to, to truly be effective in, in, in where the workforce is today? Attitude, without any doubt. It's just them having the right attitude for the job. And that that varies based on the kind of role. You know, some people need to be a little bit more analytical, for instance. Some people have got to be, you know, much more out there and kind of proactive. But for me, it's just that they've got the attitude. They want to kind of make things happen. They want to make a difference. They want to be an A player. Hmm. And that that kind of, for me, is what defines them. And, um, you know, that always, always turns into, you know, really great communication skills. So that, you know, that they have that ability to kind of communicate what they think, mm-hmm. what they've done, what they're going to do right. uh, and drive through. But, yeah, we always hire based on attitude because we can teach skills. You know, almost right. any business owner can teach skills. You've always got to hire at the right level of skills. If you need a senior developer, you don't go and hire a junior. You know, you've got to have someone that's got enough skills. But once you're within the right level of experience and skills, it's, it's all about the attitude. Mm. And what holds people back from having the right kind of attitude to be successful in a role? So in my experience, confidence, um, oftentimes, you know, kind of just them not feeling confident, like they have the, uh, I guess, the agency to, you know, be allowed in a sense to kind of speak their mind. Um, and then we come into lots of kind of different kind of cultural issues. So, you know, we're certainly here in the UK and, and with employers that I speak to in the US, we're, we're seeing a lot of entitlement uh, yeah. in the kind of younger generation and i'm not that old myself um so it feels a little bit weird to say that but yeah we're seeing a real kind of sense of entitlement that is you know we didn't used to see kind of even only kind of like eight ten years ago maybe um Hmm. and it's not all bad there's some great positives around that too but but that's a little bit tricky to to navigate so that's something that we don't see out in regions of the world for instance but uh yeah I, i think confidence can hold people back um people kind of having the opportunities but also them just actually wanting it and being yeah. have kind of what I see a lot in Eastern Europe. And bear in mind that much of this part of the world, especially in the Balkans, were you know have gone through true war, right. um, you know, civil war and massive disruption in the last twenty years. So these kind of people have known true hardship right. in a way that you know people in the US and the UK being well are extremely unlikely to ever know this kind of hardship absolutely and so from when you've experienced hardship it gives you a a bit of grit a bit of determination and a desire to Mm. kind of have a better life and so that that's definitely a big big part of what we see in terms of the attitude that we see coming through and you know we work a lot with obviously young people graduating from college different sides of that what kind of advice do you give to those early they're starting out in their first job they want to make that first impression how can they develop the confidence the attitude that you're talking about to make them successful in their careers down the line so first thing is get stuck in so it doesn't matter whether it's in the in your job description it doesn't matter whether it's exactly your job just get stuck in find opportunity volunteer um you know i think back to one of my first jobs and i was managing a project and it involved barcodes and stock control systems. And you know, I was leading the, kind of a little team of software developers doing it. And there were 4,000 plastic boxes that needed a barcode sticking to them. Mm. Well, I just did it because yeah. it needed to get right. done. Right. And that was a fair few evenings and a couple of weekends, but it got the job done. And, and that that's the kind of thing that it might be a bit menial. It might be a bit dull. But you know what? If it makes a difference and makes it happen, 
looking for opportunities like that and there's a lot there's, there's always opportunity there's always people that you can say hey you know can i can i sit in on that meeting or is there anything i can do to help you out so mm-hmm. just that proactivity of looking for other things that you can do that are outside of your you know core responsibilities that is you know look for the opportunity ask for the opportunity and you will get it and that is what will i think kind of really really help people yeah. Now, obviously, when the when the pandemic hit, uh, I mean, there was a major blow f- to the job industry, where the majority of the workforce moved completely uh, online. And as someone who works with individuals and teams remotely, tell us about the importance of that online connection and what kind of difference does it truly make? So, it means that the communication is even more important. Mm-hmm. And it means as managers and leaders, you have to be even more intentional, uh, you know, dramatically more intentional about spending time with your kind of with your team. So I talk to business owners a lot about when they hire someone, you know, how to onboard them, and how to bring them into into their business. And you've got to be way more intentional about the time that you actually allocate and actually schedule in the calendar, mm-hmm. because you don't get the random moments that you would in the office. You don't get the you know, hey, how's it going as you pass their desk in the morning or having a coffee or the water cooler moments or lunch. None of that happens. So you have to be way more intentional about actually scheduling that time. Um, So that's the first thing, you know, taking the time to really, really communicate effectively. And then the second thing for me is actually taking the time to not just talk about work. Mm. Because again, those kind of moments that you normally have in an office, you kind of chat about your weekend, you chat about what's going on, you chat about the sport. They happen a lot less naturally if you're over Slack or Teams or, you know, communication channels like that. So, again, I'm a big fan of having, you know, Friday afternoon sessions where you get the team together and, you know, you chat about what's going on for the weekend. Mm -hmm. Um, Taking a few minutes on a Monday morning, share some pictures, share some kind of video clips of what we've all done. Um, And it can be asynchronous as well, you know, if kind of people are in different time zones. But just being intentional about kind of getting to know people is is really crucial. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's... um it's interesting because we're we're in this weird gray space right now as a workforce. It kind mm. of, especially in the Western, do we go back to the office or do we stay online remotely? And and Tim Cook got some major flack because he put out a whole a whole uh, letter saying everybody's got to come back to the office. We need it. We're missing out on culture. And they posted the biggest bottom line of their life uh, when they're side. Do you think, in your professional opinion, that remote is here to stay is this a new norm for us or what's kind of what's kind of happening to the workforce are we going to go back to to the way things were so we're definitely not going back to the way things were so i mean i've got a foot in a couple of different camps and i work with some very large businesses and i work with some you know solopreneurs and i think you know the majority of businesses that i work with at JobRack are 100 remote right they've started that way they always intend to be that way because they never want to be constrained by the Mm. talent pool that's within commuting distance of where they happen to be and and actually in a lot of cases the business owners are not fixed in a particular location they're you know Mm. constantly traveling or you know moving around the world so for those businesses remote's definitely here to stay and what we'll see is more frequent kind of retreats and meetups where people get the the teams together Mm -hmm. for the bigger businesses I think very few uh, are ever going to go back to how it was because the workforce kind of simply won't allow it. Mm -hmm. You know, we're seeing a huge, absolutely huge shift in the number of people that are willing to leave their jobs and look for new jobs and the number of people that are actually doing it Mm -hmm. because the opportunities are just really strong. Here in London, for instance, the jobs market is crazy um, and the movement of people is really high. And so when people are going to look for a new job, 
they're not going to kind of, or they're simply right now, they're not accepting something that means they've got to go back to doing an hour commute each way right. five days a week. So the, the future for me, I think, is hybrid. So a couple of days a week, having the flexibility. There are times when it is much better to have people face-to-face. Right? Mm-hmm. Doing a virtual whiteboard session is not as good as three or four of you stood around there with some pens and scribbling right, on the right. whiteboards. That doesn't matter what the tech companies do. That you know, It's very, very difficult to make that as good. You can get close, though. Mm-hmm. So I think it's you know, for the really large companies, it, it's going to be a hybrid approach. Um, and I think a lot of the press, especially here in London, is driven by the, the commercial property owners that are somewhat panicking. But, you know, if the people yeah. don't come back to the yeah. office, then uh, they're going to struggle. Right. Yeah. A couple more questions before we move into our fire round. Um, what are the biggest challenges uh, when managing teams remotely? What are the benefits uh, to managing teams remotely? So the uh, benefits is the... I think, first of all, it's, it's being able to get the best talent. So you mm. don't have to constrain yourself by, you know, who happens to be local. Right. Um, I think you also get to have a much more kind of diverse culture uh, and diverse set of ideas and approaches within the team. So, And that's really, really great. And it also forces you to do things in a kind of a lean and an agile way and come up with new ways of doing things that aren't constrained by, you know, kind of being in an office together. And that can lead to some really cool things that come out, great use of technology and tools Mm -hmm. and much more efficiency than, you know, otherwise kind of often you'd have. Uh, In terms of the challenges, I think it's about being intentional as a business owner and as a manager and a leader, you've got to be really intentional. Um, The time zones naturally that's mm-hmm. that's something to manage so right. you know i always kind of caution people about you know consider time zones uh when you're hiring you know you don't really want to have people stretched across the entire globe you know if you're a kind of a small business because it's just tricky to manage and sometimes you want people to be on a call having synchronous communication and having just a really good kind of team chat from time to time um and then I think you, you have to be mindful of the cultural differences, you know, so uh, it's a relatively minor challenge, I'd say, um, these days, but you just have to be mindful of it. There are you know, all kinds of things that we have to kind of work around these days, um, but that it's difficult to say that's a challenge, but it's a challenge and a benefit as well, because it, it makes us all better, the more kind of different kind of cultures we get exposed to. So, but it's something to be, we have to be mindful of, and we give a lot of guidance on that with the, the people we work with. Yeah, you know, one of the practices you talked about that I loved is is that idea of trying to recreate these water cooler moments remotely. What would you say to a leader that sees that, recognize the benefit of that, but maybe it can be awkward? You know, obviously it's not awkward for us to talk about our families here around the water cooler, but it may be awkward for me to post a picture of my family on Slack. How how can you get past that awkwardness as a leader to build kind of culture remotely? So for me, it's about kind of setting an expectation with your team up front mm-hmm. and this applies in loads of different areas so if you say to your team that as part of our culture we, we want to get to know each other and so if you let them know that hey every friday let's just you know i'm going to ask you what you're up to at the weekend and let's share and mm-hmm. on monday i'm going to let you know what i did and i'm going to post some pictures and if i've spent time with my family there's going to be a picture of my family mm-hmm. and so there's a little bit of this it's not asking permission so much right. but it's just setting this expectation Uh, And in a very similar way, I do this an awful lot with feedback. So people ask me all the time, how do I give people feedback, both positive and constructive? And the first thing I do is say, tell your team you're going to give them feedback Mm. and it's going to be a regular thing. And then it's not such a shock and a surprise the first time that you pull them up on something that they could do a little bit better. And it, you know, kind of makes it a, uh, you know, a continuous thing. So same thing with the kind of, yeah, it can be a little bit forced trying to suddenly inject a, you know, oh, hey, you know, this is my family or this is what I do. 
But if you just start gently and just make it part of kind of every day, this is what I'm up to and, and asking questions. So having time in a team meeting or, you know, in the sessions that you have just to learn about people. Um, and we do that a lot with Slack, for instance. So every mm -hmm. time we have a, a new person join the team, we have a set of questions that we ask and we get everyone to introduce themselves um, because actually the, the answers to the questions, they change over time anyway. You know, what book are you reading right now? What's your favorite film? What's your favorite music? And then the conversations just then flow. They're almost like little icebreakers yeah. and then it just flows from there. That's great. Well, as we move into uh, the fire round, and, and, and wow, I've been enjoying this conversation. I, I just want to ask you a few questions surrounding kind of everything that we have kind of discussed. And, and I want you to answer, of course, with your, with your gut, which you, you, you're, you're doing. We, we want to grab a few practical and, and applicable pieces of advice from your experience for our listeners. So um, we've got about three questions here. Michael, you can fire away one. Cool. So what is the key to leading cross-culturally? Communication. Mm -hmm. And how do you how do you uh, how do you communicate without becoming overbearing in your communication? Ooh, that's a tough one. I think um, be a little bit intentional about it, like think about it, and ask your team for feedback. Sure, you know, it's feedback. True. Feedback is two way, right? Mm -hmm. And ask always be asking your team, how can we be better? Yeah. How can I do this better? Cool. And it's so uh, last one, let's just, if you had to choose one characteristic outside of attitude, we've already talked about that one. If you had to choose one characteristic to be considered higher worthy, what would it be and why and how do you develop it? So for them to demonstrate that they get things done, mm. um, how can they demonstrate it? Just give me examples where they've, you know, I'm not saying they have to stick 4,000 barcodes on boxes, but show me where they just got it done. It might not have been their job, might not have been exactly what they were supposed to do, but they just got it done. How can you develop it? Do it. Hmm. You know, look for the opportunity. Don't be quite so constrained. And, and from time to time, forgiveness is better than, uh, than permission, right? Yeah. So, you know, but just go and find the opportunity and get things done. So good. Well, Noel, I want to thank you for joining us today on Framework Leadership Podcast. Wow, grateful for your insight that you have provided our listeners and just fascinating this, where our world's going and, and how to make it work. Hey, no worries. I really enjoyed it. Ken and Michael, thank you very much. Loved having you on. And if you want to stay up to date with Noel, you can follow him on LinkedIn and Twitter, Noel underscore Andrews. And for more leadership content, you can check us out on Instagram, Kent underscore Ingle, or Twitter at Kent Ingle. If you're watching us on uh, YouTube right now, you can hit subscribe right below and, uh, and like this image so that you can see um, more and more of our leadership content. You can also visit our website, kentingle.com. Thank you so much for listening to Framework Leadership. Take care, everybody. Thank you.